everyone, and welcome into another episode of Bracket Madness. Two weeks and change away from Selection Sunday. It is starting to get real. You can feel the madness crowding in around us. Our last show of February because Sunday brings in the month of March. I am Michael Beller, joined as I am every episode of Bracket Madness by Brian Bennett. Brian, I just love this time of year, man, because now all the all the projections, all the talking, all the if this, then that, now we're really starting to whittle that away and get down to what we know we're going to see from the selection committee two weeks from now. I think you just love this time of year because Wisconsin just won at Michigan, but uh, I'm sure yeah. you were dancing in the streets last <laughs> night. But uh, yeah, only one, one more day of February, a very cruel uh, of to have a leap year in between. I don't know why we can't have a March 32nd, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's almost March and uh, you know it's, it's time to party. Yeah, it absolutely is time to party, and yeah, you know you're not wrong about that uh, whole Wisconsin over Michigan <laughs> thing. That was uh, it was a fun uh, Thursday night game for me, of course. But uh, get Brian on Twitter at gbrianbenny. You can get me at mbeller. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, subscribe. We still have a few episodes coming your way, even though Selection Sunday just two weeks away. And also, if you are not a subscriber, check out theathletic.com/slash bracket madness for 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic at everything we do, including access to the new Bubble Watch today from Eamon Brennan and Brian's new Bracket Watch. Basically, this podcast in print form, Brian is able to go into a little bit more depth, and you are also able to see the entire field of 68. Brian, will talk about that vis-a-vis our final four picks in your theoretical field at the end of the show, but let's start where we always do, the very top of the bracket, the one seeds. Now, usually we blow past this. It's been the same four teams for a while, and it is still the same four teams this week. But we're going to get into a little bit more because two of those teams, Gonzaga and San Diego State, took losses last week. And, of course, they are joined by Kansas and Baylor. But let's talk about specifically San Diego State after the loss to UNLV. How precarious is their spot on the top line? Yeah, as I, as I wrote this morning, I, you know, I really thought – they would be out and down to the two line after that loss at UNLV at home. It's a quad three loss. And when you consider their schedule and everything, uh, very, very damaging loss, but then no one really kind of charged through the, the open door there because you, you had Duke losing, you had Maryland losing at Ohio, excuse me, at Ohio state, uh, which not a bad loss, but you don't really move up to the one after you lose, uh, on the road even, but, uh, I just don't see a team with a better resume right now in the San Diego state, which, you know, one loss all year is still still pretty dang good. There's only one team in the country that can say that. But I would say that if we were projecting out, and remember this bracket is is done as if uh, Selection Sunday was today, uh, I'm not sure San Diego State's going to hang on. I, I think Maryland and Florida State and Dayton all have a great chance uh, of moving up should they keep winning, uh, especially with the opportunities that Maryland and Florida State are going to get. Could San Diego State be in trouble even if they win the rest of their games? They close out the regular season. They win the Mountain West tournament. Could Maryland? I mean, I feel like Maryland especially could jump past them. But the other teams you mentioned, could these teams bully their way past San Diego State even if San Diego State goes unscathed the rest of the way? Yes, I think so. And that's because of the schedule and who they're going to play. You know, San Diego State has Nevada on the road uh, on Saturday. That'll be a quad two game. Uh probably won't play a quad one game the rest of the year, you know, even in the mountain West tournament uh, on neutral floors, uh, not going to get a quad one unless Utah state, you know, is in that range of one to 50. And uh, it's pretty close right now. So uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think the other teams could add up some big wins. Certainly Maryland, as you mentioned, every day in the big 10 is a quad one opportunity. And that tournament is just going to be crazy. 
you know, if they could win the league title in the tournament, which is asking a lot, uh, I think that's a one seed right there. And then Florida State's been playing really, really well. Uh, we'll get Duke again. You know, could play Duke and Louisville in the ACC tournament. Uh, and if they were to win out, uh, I would probably make them a one seed or San Diego State. And then you got to look at Dayton. Same situation where they're not going to play, you know, top quality opponents, but we'll play at Rhode Island uh, next week. Uh, that'll be a good one for them. And if they went out, you know, they only have two losses on the resume, both in overtime, both two really good teams on neutral floors. So that would be a really interesting debate between Dayton and San Diego State. For sake of comparison, Maryland gets Michigan State this weekend, Rutgers and Michigan next week, and then probably if they were to run all the way to the Big Ten Tournament Championship, at least two quad one games in the Big Ten Tournament. So definitely Maryland has that resume that could force the way past San Diego State, even if San Diego State wins all of its remaining games. Let's look at the last four buys. We've got Rutgers, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, and USC. Oklahoma, Rhode Island, USC, old hat to us here. We've been talking about them. Uh, as bubble teams all season, we got into all three of those teams with Eamon on our uh, previous episode of Bracket Watch this or Bracket Madness this week. But Rutgers, we haven't talked about these guys in this range of the field for quite a while. They have uh, have hit up the skids here a little bit. It feels like they're not really in any serious jeopardy yet. They do host Maryland and then go to Purdue to end the regular season, though. How worried would you be if you were a Scarlet Knights fan right now? I would start to get a little nervous, only because remember we had David Warlock on our show a couple of weeks ago. Remember what he said about how they judge teams when you get down uh, to that bubble. And what did he say? He said, quality wins away from home. You look at Rutgers' record, road and neutral, they're 1-10. in 1-10, in 10, Michael. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know how good the rack has been. It's been a great story and all that stuff. But they're 17-11, and 1-8, uh, true road uh, record. Do you know who their one road win is over? I do not. Nebraska. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it's not that hard to go into Nebraska and win this season. So, um, yeah, I would start to get a little nervous, especially – you know, they're seven, like I said, 17 and 11. You know, they haven't been playing that great the last week or two. You know, if, if they start to get like 17 and 13 with nothing away from home, uh, that's a team I could see the committee leaving out. Yeah. And uh, the, these last two games of the regular season, not going to be uh, any easy walk in the park. So that at Purdue game, at the last game of the regular season, will be huge for this team. Purdue, of course, has been excellent at home this season, just scored another big home win on Thursday against Indiana. The last four in to the field for Bracket Watch on Friday, February 28th, Wichita State, Providence, Cincinnati, and NC State. Again, four teams that have become very familiar to us uh, here. Providence, Cincinnati, and NC State are on the bubble literally every year. I feel like, <laughs> um, especially Providence and NC State. And NC State yeah. is the team that I want to get into because they had the loss at North Carolina. Uh, this is the anomalous year where a loss at North Carolina actually hurts, uh, but you still yeah. have them as one of the last four in. Now, we've talked about them a bit on this show. You keep mentioning this team is super vulnerable, not only because of uh, what they've done or haven't done to this point, but because they're the last team in the field. They are the most vulnerable, literally, to bid thieves. So do they need another win over an at-large quality team, you think, to feel good on Selection Sunday? Yeah, probably, too. I mean, it's uh, it was very tough this week to, to figure out whether to keep them in or to move a team like Stanford or, or UCLA into the field. Um, but they do have those wins over Duke, uh, Wisconsin, and at Virginia. Uh, those are pretty good. Five and three in quad one 
which is pretty solid for a team that you know is on the the absolute cut line. You don't see uh, that that good of a quad one record usually for that. So obviously some some other black marks on this resume and a team that just you know lost its last two and got swept by North Carolina. I mean that's that's hard to do this year. <laughs> uh, so yeah, certainly very vulnerable. I don't necessarily believe in this team. I'd actually be a little surprised if we saw them in the field, but. For this week, at least, uh, they're going to occupy that last spot for me again. That's just the life of an NC State fan, right? North Carolina finally has a down year. Finally. (laughs) North Carolina has the one down year they're going to have in 20, and they still get swept by the Tar Heels. Just unbelievable. After you beat Duke (laughs) by 22. Unreal. Unreal. Exactly. Well, I am really excited about this quartet of uh, first four out teams because I think these are going to be four of the most fascinating teams to watch over the last two weeks of the season. We've got Stanford, Purdue, Arkansas and UCLA. I want to talk about two of these teams, actually, Brian, and we have to start with the Bruins. Six straight wins. They won at Arizona, at Colorado, just last night, Thursday night, that is. They they beat uh, Arizona State at home. They get Arizona again this weekend in L.A. Uh, How has this team turned its season around? Well, it's toughness in defense, right? That's kind of what I always thought would happen with this team. It's going to take a long time for them to buy in to Mick Cronin's style, such an opposite, uh, just polar opposite of what Steve Alford brought, who was you know, an offensive-minded coach, a team that barely played any defense and wasn't tough at all. Then Mick Cronin comes in and tries to coach these players who are probably a little soft. And, of course, it took a while. They lose to Cal State Fullerton at home. They lost to Hofstra at home. And just in the last you know month and a half, last nine, ten games, they've finally started to play really good defense. Uh, toughened up, played that Mick Cronin style, which has been very successful everywhere he's gone. And and look at look at what they're doing now. They're they're ripped off a whole bunch of wins in a row. Only 76th in net uh, this morning, um, so still that's a little bit low. But five and six in quad one, and, and have really zoomed to the front of the Pac-12 race, which is pretty incredible. So it it's kind of reminds me a little bit of Providence, you know, a, mm-hmm. a really bad non-conference season, but then get really hot in conference. And start picking up some quality wins. Uh, it would be an interesting test case for the committee for sure because uh, there's a, a lot of bad stuff on this resume as well. But, um, you know, if they win the Pac-12 regular season title and they end up with six or seven or eight quad one wins, that's going to be a hard team to leave out. Yeah, even with what they've done in the recent weeks, not a whole lot of wiggle room for this team. That's why uh, Saturday against Arizona, and then they end the regular season a week from Saturday across town at USC. Two huge games for UCLA going into the Pac-12 tournament. I think our buddy of Miles Moore Madness, Tim Miles, would want me to mention that uh, he probably deserves some credit in his eyes because he's actually out there, a former assistant of his, Michael Lewis, now an assistant on Mick Cronin's staff, and he's out in Los Angeles this weekend. He was at that game yesterday, so uh, I hope you enjoyed it, Timmy. Um, uh, (laughs) Another team that we're looking at here as a last four out, Arkansas. Now, you, me, and Eamon got into this team earlier in the week on our first episode of Bracket Madness, but uh, for anyone who missed it or just uh, we should talk about it again because Arkansas, another one that is going to be such an interesting test case for the committee because of what they've done with and without Isaiah Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, He was out for quite a while with a knee injury. comes back, uh, first game back, scores 21 points. Uh, They beat Missouri at home, you know, not not a – Huge win, but still uh, good to see that. And then uh, the last game they're out, he scores 22, and they beat Tennessee uh, again at home. But the way they beat him, I think, was really impressive. Beat him by 17 points. The game was never really in doubt. Uh, so this, this is a team that's certainly so much better with him in the lineup. It's pretty obvious to see. 
So yeah, it's going to be how much the committee is going to put into that. And they still did lose those games. Uh, the remaining schedule includes games at Georgia and at Texas A&M that aren't going to do much for them. Uh, home game against LSU, who's been pretty, fading a little bit. We'll probably talk about them a little bit later. I think they're going to have to, you know, win out probably the regular season and, and maybe win two in the SEC tournament. Uh, that would get them to about 22 wins. And uh, I don't know. It'll be close. They'll be right there on that cut line. But uh, I think they'd have a shot. Uh, that's for sure. You mentioned the cut line. We talked about this with Eamon also earlier this week. The cut line does feel pretty defined this year, more defined than in recent years. And we see that with the group of teams that are your next four out, Richmond, Mississippi State, Georgetown, and South Carolina. Brian, this feels to me like the case of, hey, someone's got to be the next four out. Could any of these teams make a realistic run in an at-large bid? Yeah, this was tough this week because once you get to the – past the uh, first four out there's just not a lot of resumes out there that are impressive at all uh, the only team that i could really see making a run is georgetown we've talked about them ad nauseum but they still have four quad one wins already and they seem to keep coming back from the dead and if they can just get hot here and win the last couple games that could add to their resume uh, these other teams are probably going to have to probably gonna have to win their conference tournament i think uh, you know maybe richmond gets to the a10 final but other than that I just don't see many paths for them. But then again, you know, two weeks, two, three weeks ago, I wouldn't, wouldn't have ne- would have never talked about UCLA. Uh, right. And a few weeks before that, I would have never talked about Providence or Arizona State. So it only takes a couple good weeks, but the problem is they're kind of running out of weeks here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Two weeks left before Selection Sunday. So those weeks are dwindling, and a team like Richmond, uh, not a whole lot of opportunity. Georgetown does have those opportunities, which is keeping them, I think, more firmly on our at-large radar with two weeks and two days to go until Selection Sunday. Uh, We spent the first episode of Bracket Madness this week talking about the bottom end of the bracket, looking at those bubble teams, talking about which ones are most likely to be in, which ones are most likely to be out. So in this episode, I want to focus more on teams that are safely in the field. We know these teams are going to go dancing, uh, but are going to be interesting for one reason or another over the last two weeks, right? Kansas, Baylor, you know, those teams are interesting, but we know what their seed is likely to be. We know uh, how good they're going to be, what sort of championship contenders they are going to be come the tournament. There are some other teams on the in the field that we don't necessarily know exactly what they're going to be, and it's going to be very fun to watch what they give us the last couple weeks of the season. So I put this question out to you. We talked about these teams back and forth yesterday, and we settled on this group beginning with the Duke Blue Devils. Of course, Duke is going to be a championship contender going into the tournament. I think we know that. But it's hard to get a feel for this team. It's hard to pin them down exactly what their ceiling is and what the floor might be for this team. Sixth in net, fifth in Ken Palm. You have them as a two seed. What are you going to be watching with this team over their last three games in the ACC and then in the ACC tournament? Yeah, this was a really tough debate for me internally today, uh, this week with trying to figure out should Duke stay on the two line or should a team like Creighton pass them up? And you start looking at Duke's resume and of course they beat Kansas first game of the year. And that's, that's fantastic because Kansas is my number one overall seed right now, but you know, they lost at home to Stephen F. Austin lost at Clemson. He lost by 22 at NC state and just lost in overtime at wake forest. Those are some bad losses. And when you, when you combine them with their quad one record, which is four and two, which is pretty mediocre. I mean, this Dayton has the same quad one record as Duke. San Diego State is 4-0. and uh, So to only have four wins in that quadrant uh, is not all that impressive. But on the other hand, Duke also has great metrics. You know, only two teams in the country that are top 
15 and offense and defense on Ken Palm. It's, it's them in Kansas. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a confounding team, but if they lose another game or two, I think they're going to fall down to that, that three line uh, for sure. You know, defensively, they haven't been all that great. Uh, I still don't necessarily believe in them as a great shooting team. Uh, it's a team right now that looks like it's going to finish maybe third in the ACC, which isn't very strong. So, yeah, I mean, this is a team that uh, is a national championship contender but seems to not be playing all that well right now, uh, you know, outside of Vernon Carey and, and Trey Jones. Uh, they need some other guys to step up uh, for sure. But the other thing I thought, Michael, was when's the last time Duke was upset with their seed? <laughs> they seem to get the, they seem <laughs> yeah. to get the benefit of the doubt more than any other team. So we'll see. <laughs> they absolutely do. It's weird, right? Just a weird year in the ACC. We've got likely only four teams going to the tournament, maybe a fifth in NC State, North Carolina, nowhere near the tournament. Duke maybe finishing third in a down year in the ACC. It's an odd year. Uh, you, you mentioned their uh, the the rest of the season for them. They get they're at Virginia this week. Uh, that's probably their best chance for another loss that would push them down to a three seed, at least before the ACC tourney. Next week, they host North Carolina State and North Carolina, so would expect them to win both of those games and then go into the ACC tourney, likely as a two or a three seed uh, with Louisville. Uh, we expect Florida State to uh, potentially be able to win the ACC, looking like Duke's going to be uh, the team that has to go through two of those teams, being uh, Louisville and Florida State, go through both of them to win the ACC tournament. So it'll be an interesting watch for this team the next couple of weeks. And it does feel like uh, a team that uh, is going to be fine with regards to its seed, but maybe one that uh, could fall victim to an early round game in the NCAA tournament. How about the Auburn Tigers, Brian? This team uh, has been really up and down all season. In the net, they're 27. Ken Palm, they are 36. You have them as a six seed and uh, a tough road, actually, for the rest of the season. You don't necessarily expect a super tough road and a three-game stretch in the SEC this year, but they're at Kentucky this weekend, a huge game. Then they're home for Texas A&M, not a huge game. And then at Tennessee, Tennessee's not going dancing, but no easy uh, shakes to go into Tennessee and come out of there with a win. What do we make of Auburn going into uh, this stretch? They're easily dancing, but uh, is this a team that can duplicate what it did last year? It's a it's a really weird resume, uh, you know. The twenty four and four, and, and two of those losses came without Isaac Okoro, probably their best player. Uh, but then you look at their computer rankings, uh, you know, they, as you mentioned, uh, you know, twenty seventh in that, thirty sixth the Ken Palm. I mean, the record looks like you know it should be probably a three or four seed, or maybe even a two. But the, then their metrics look more like a six or seven. Uh, they're just three and two in quad one. Uh, you just haven't played a great schedule. That's that's the biggest part of it. Uh, so it's kind of hard to judge them. And then even the games they did play, they played so many overtime games and, and pulled all these games out that they were trailing or super close at the end. So, you know, give them credit for being a team that knows how to win uh, for sure, but just haven't seen a lot of big-time performances and, you know, marquee games. That's why I'm really, really looking forward to Saturday's game uh, at Kentucky. I'll actually be at that one in oh, Rupp nice. Arena. And, uh, you know, they just don't have a, a marquee win like that that you can really point to. They did beat Kentucky at home, but – and obviously a marquee win like that away from home uh, would be huge for them. And if they could win that one, um, I think they, they could realistically come up to that top four line. Um, I think they would have the record and the metrics then to support that, but I, I still need to see it to believe it. Yeah. You look at it. It really is a, a, an interesting team sheet that you look at, especially if you look at their, just their schedule, because you mentioned, right? I mean, they beat Kentucky, 
They beat LSU. They beat Arkansas. That was a game at Arkansas. That was a game without Isaiah Joe. I mean, those are those are all solid wins. The Kentucky win could you know prove to be a very good win even at home, but. Nothing really reaches out and grabs you, and that's what you expect to see from a team in a SEC, in a power conference, that is 24-4 and going into its last three games of the regular season. We just haven't seen that for Auburn, so they get that opportunity this weekend at Kentucky, where you will be. Hope you have a lot of fun at that game. I got a feeling it's going to be one of the best ones of the weekend. Now, this one, this next team, this was my request, so you're welcome, <laughs> Michigan State fans. I really wanted to get the Spartans in here because... Look, I live in Chicago. I watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, both because I like it and because it's always you know available to me. I've watched a lot of Michigan State this year, and this team, I mean, they're going to go out one game and look like the best team in the country. They're going to go out the next game and look like you know four seed that's vulnerable to going out in the first round. They have just been all over the map this year. Uh, the metrics are very good. 13 in net, 7th in Ken Palm. You have them as a four, the Big Ten being the Big Ten. Very tough way to end the season at Maryland on Saturday at Penn State, and home for Ohio State next weekend. Right now, they're part of a four-way tie for second place in the Big Ten, along with Wisconsin, Penn State, and Illinois. I I mean, Brian, again, this team feels like, to me, the widest range of realistic outcomes in the NCAA tournament. I will not be surprised if they win it. I will not be surprised if they go out in the first round. It just feels like it's been that sort of season for Michigan State. Absolutely. I, I want to tell the listeners that I was going to have a Big Ten free show, but uh, Michael, of course, being the <laughs> Big Ten it. homer, he is. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Uh, and it's a uh, it's a weird, uh, just another weird team with, uh, in terms of its you know resume and portfolio. It's top ten in every major metric. Uh, you know, it's it's really looking good in the net. No bad losses, uh, but six and eight in quad one. You know, a team not only can look good or bad game to game, but even half to half in that Iowa game, right? They were down big at halftime and then just played spectacularly uh, in the second half with Cassius Winston going nuts. So (laughs) I don't know what to do with this team. Uh, I've got him as a four C, but I'm really, really fascinated by this closing stretch. I mean, at Maryland, at Penn state, that's about as tough as it gets in in the big 10 on the road. Um, You know, if they can win even one of those games, I'd feel really good about this team uh, going into the postseason. Yeah, right. And then but you can't assume anything. And they, they, let's say they win one of those games. They beat Ohio State. They finish 13 and 7. Uh, you know, we can't assume what Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois are going to do. But let's just say they do get one of those double buys and they're one of the top four teams in the Big Ten. Then they're playing, you know, maybe one of those teams in their first Big Ten tourney game. Um, maybe they're playing Iowa, right? Maybe they're playing Michigan. I mean, there's just so many variables to look forward to in the Big Ten. Let's just say, you know, Michigan State does that. I mean, what is their seed ceiling? Let's say they uh, don't win the Big Ten uh, tournament, but they do split those road games, they beat Ohio State, and they go to the Big Ten final and lose to Maryland. I mean, could this team play its way to a two-seed? I don't think without winning either the Big Ten regular season or the Big Ten tournament title, they could get to it, too. I, I just don't see them jumping over that many teams. Because uh, that, that would mean, right, probably two more losses. Uh, so, But I think you know a three-seed is certainly attainable. And if they were to happen to... To, to win the Big Ten tournament, uh, maybe a two. But, you know, we've talked before, that's the very last game before the committee uh, turns its bracket in. So sometimes those don't really reflect the results. And I don't know that they would flip them from a three to a two based on something that happened 30 minutes earlier. <laughs> uh, so uh, to me, it's probably a three, uh, given the, the amount of losses they, they've piled up. Uh, I think they could also slip down to a five. Uh, you know, if if they lose two of the last three and, and go out, like in the semis or the quarters in Indianapolis. 
Big Tenless episode. Get the heck out of here, Brian. Come on. Right, well, it's not like we haven't talked about it a lot on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's Big Ten madness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, how about the Pac-12? Uh, we, we want to talk about this conference at large. Uh, we, we talked about UCLA earlier. We mentioned Stanford as one of your first four teams out. Oregon has been you know, sort of a Michigan State type of season where their highs have been extremely high. The lows have left you scratching your head. Uh, what do we make of this conference? Uh, you know, you said you just want to talk about the big, the Pac-12 at large. So, what do we think? What are we thinking going into the last two weeks of the regular season or the last two weeks of the season with this conference? I mean, it's the craziest power conference race out there. Maybe the craziest race of any conference out there. You've got, still got seven teams, you know, within two games of each other. Uh, last night was was pretty big in, in separating some of these guys. Uh, but uh, it's uh, you look up and down. First of all, UCLA's tied for first, which is just insane to think about. Insane. Arizona State, you know, half game out of first and and a virtual tie that did lose at UCLA last night. Uh, it's just so unpredictable night to night. I mean, Colorado goes into Cal last night and gets hammered. I mean, that what, what an absolutely egg of a performance they laid <laughs> last night. I mean, I can't, can't believe how bad they played. Credit to Mark Fox, and it's got Cal playing a lot better than they were the last two years. But still, you're in a title race, and you go and do that. And then Arizona, and I know they didn't have Josh Green, but, boy, they struggled to score last night. I mean, I didn't know if they were going to break 45 points for a lot long stretches of last night. And, USC completely up and down. Never know what you're getting out of that team, but but very talented. Stanford's been down, but now coming back, and it's just crazy. I mean, you can't can't predict anything that's going to happen in this league. Uh, it's kind of like the Big Ten, except the teams aren't as good, probably. <laughs> uh, and another thing is that I think they're going to get five teams in, maybe six. Uh, there's an outside shot of getting seven in. And Michael, do you think any of these teams could make the Final Four? You know what? That's funny. That's exactly what I was going to uh, ask you. That was, a, that was my follow-up question. Uh, I was just going to phrase it in uh, the way of it's only Oregon, right? I mean, it's Oregon that can get hot and go on a run, but even them I don't trust. I mean, they're, they're so dependent on Peyton Pritchard, and you know, it's not a, that's not the worst thing in the world, but if he gets slowed down or if he has an off night, it seems like they just never – they don't have an answer. They don't have anywhere to go. We saw that in that loss uh, at Oregon State when they only put up 53 points. They only put up 60 in the loss at Stanford. Uh, when you can slow him down, you can really stop this team, and that's the only team. I mean, I feel like uh, all these other teams are like not even second weekend teams. Even They're, they're going to get seven teams in and maybe have one Sweet 16 team. Yeah, and Oregon's had guys in and out of the lineup. Chris Duarte, you know, broken finger, had surgery, didn't play last night. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think Oregon normally because of their defense – is a team you don't want to see in the NCAA tournament, and their defense has just been okay this year for mm-hmm. the most part. I, I don't know. You've got a lot of teams that sometimes struggle to score, uh, and I think that is a is a potential red flag for the NCAA tournament. Yes. Arizona's a team, you know, potentially three first-round picks. I mean, probably the only team in the country you could say has three first-round picks on it. Uh, and if they could get hot, I mean, I think they could make a run, but they're just so up and down. They were number seven in the net going into last night, Michael, and I have them as a seven seed. I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's any team that is it is so different from its net ranking to what its actual performance is than Arizona uh, right now. Just uh, you know, nine and six in the Pac-12, only three quad one wins. They got a quad three loss. Uh, it looked terrible last night. Blew that game to Oregon last week at home. That should have won. I don't know what to make of this team. And that's why the Pac-12, I feel like every Thursday night is just like just total chaos, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, between the the Big Ten and the Pac-12, those Thursday nights have been 
uh, very fun this season. And yeah, I'm with you on the Pac-12, man. It's just it's a it's an impossible conference to figure out, and one that just feels so a step down, so confounding in the fact that we're going to get all these teams in the tourney, but then once they're there, we could all be we could say be saying goodbye to them before Saturday of the first <laughs> yeah. weekend even rolls around. we got a couple of faders that we want to talk about to wrap this up. West Virginia and LSU. We'll start with the Mountaineers, 17th in the net, 10th in Ken Palm. You've got them as a five seed. Uh, this team was riding high earlier in the season, but they've lost five of six games. They end the year uh, Oklahoma at home this weekend, then next week at Iowa State and versus Baylor. Uh, it's just been a slide for a team that you know, feels like it also – can struggle to find offense, and when it does, it, the defense just hasn't always been enough to carry it through. Yeah, they got off to a really great start uh, this year, but uh, you know, it seemed a little bit like smoke and mirrors. You know, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily that they were, were doing a lot of crazy things, but it just didn't seem like they were that good. And but they were the number two seed, the, the very last number two seed for the committee when they did their reveal on February eighth. And as you mentioned, since then lost five of six. I've got them as a four. Seriously, cons- considered moving them down to a five. You know, they've got a losing record in the Big 12 right now. I mean, and that was a two seed less than a month ago. So uh, it's it's been a pretty crazy uh, fall off for them. You know, just lost to Texas by double digits. And Texas is playing a little bit better, but but still, uh, they should have won that game. And as you said, Oklahoma and Baylor still come to Morgantown. Those would be two good wins if they could get them, uh, maybe get themselves back up toward that three line. But uh, it's a team that uh, isn't playing very well right now. And we talked uh, when we did our special uh, episode after the top 16 reveal, we were talking about we know a couple of these teams likely to fall. I don't think we thought West Virginia was going to be the one only because of what you said, that they were up at a two seed. I mean, it takes a pretty precipitous fall in a month to go from a two seed to not in the top 16 at all. Five out of six losses, that'll do it for you. They can turn it around, though, however, with those home games against Oklahoma and Baylor. Can't mess up against Iowa State in between. How about LSU? 33rd in the net, 40th in Kempom. You have them as an eight seed. They've lost five of seven games. Uh, it does feel like they can get things back uh, in in control because of their remaining schedule. They get Texas A&M at home this weekend. Next weekend, their last game of the regular season, they get Georgia at home. Unless things really go haywire, those should be wins in between a huge game at Arkansas, especially huge for the Razorbacks, as we talked about. LSU, not really in any danger of missing the tournament. Uh, If they lost all three of these games, then maybe we start to talk about that. But this is a team that wasn't, you know, making the tournament isn't what was supposed to be special about them this season. So how do we feel about them going into these last two weeks? Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I had them on the four line, or at least right near there. And I think the committee said they they considered them as a four seed as well. And not only have they lost five of seven, but the two games they won, they they beat Missouri at home by four, you know, and beat South Carolina by six. So it's not like they're playing great in the two games that they won. You know, a team without a lot of depth, uh, without a ton of size. There's some good players in the starting lineup, but uh, they certainly have been fading here. And then you start to look at their resume. You know, they they lose to East Tennessee State at home. They lose to Utah State. Lose to VCU. Those aren't bad teams by any stretch. And, and at least two of them are getting in the tournament. Uh, but still, it's uh, just not a lot of, lot of not a lot of meat on this bone here. And with the way they faded and just got blown out, you know, at Florida, uh, you got to start to wonder: Is this going to be a double-digit seed before it's all said and done? 
It's crazy, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's how fast this can happen to these teams. Uh, but we've seen it from West Virginia. We've seen it from LSU, right? They're the, the reverse Providence and the reverse UCLA, how quickly things can change. And it's why uh, the selection committee really can't sit down and start figuring things out until we get this close to the tournament. It is all about that full body of work. LSU, however, with these two weeks and in the SEC tournament, uh, still has time to get themselves back to what they looked like earlier in the season. Uh, Let's take a look ahead to the weekend. We're going to look more at games that are more on the fringe of the NCAA tournament. We can get through these pretty quickly. We've talked about a lot of these teams already, and we've talked about them earlier in the week with Eamon. But uh, Oklahoma at West Virginia, that first game, we pretty much already uh, discussed what's at stake for West Virginia. Oklahoma not quite locked into the field. If they win this game at West Virginia, are they safely in? Yeah, I would think so. I gave them a little bit of a hard time on the our bubble podcast earlier in the week as a team that really hadn't done a whole lot. And then, you know, a nice win against Texas Tech uh, a couple days. Uh, actually, that night we taped. Night, so yeah. maybe I inspired them. Maybe they put that in, in their <laughs> lockers. But, uh, you know, that game, of course, was at home. Still just 2-8 and eight on the road. Uh, so it would be nice to see them get something, you know, away from Norman. Uh, but cer- certainly if they win at West Virginia – uh, this team will be a lock. I think they'll probably be around the eight or nine seed. Uh, but still right now for me, you know, kind of hovering around that 10 line. Uh, so pretty big game for both teams just in terms of, of seeding. But, but I think both teams will, will likely get in. Arizona at UCLA. Already talked about what UCLA uh, did on Thursday, beating Arizona State. They won at Arizona earlier this season as part of this six-game winning streak that they're on. Uh, UCLA, they win this game. Uh, we already said they need multiple wins to get in. But let's say they lose this game. Uh, is this a situation where any loss, no matter who it comes against, is just a bridge too far? Is something that they would really need to then go on and win the Pac-12 tournament to recover from? It's a good question. I, I think they could survive a loss to Arizona if they, you know, they, then they play at USC, which uh, which would be another quad one game. It's nice to have a quad one game where you don't have to leave your city, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a road game, and especially at the Galen Center, which is not much of an atmosphere there. But uh, if they were to split those and then, you know, at least get to the semis or the finals, probably the finals of the Pac-12 tournament, I think they'd be still be in pretty decent shape. But, you know, Arizona, again, Josh Green is not going to play uh, all weekend. Uh, so that's a team that uh, struggled to score now playing against a very good defense uh, in UCLA the last month or so. So, yeah, they have a chance. You know, if they can get this these next two, uh, they might be in, which I would have never, ever thought, even 10 days ago. It's absolutely crazy that we're talking about UCLA like this when we hadn't talked about them at all on this episode, no around this show, and no one had been talking about them as recently as just a couple of weeks ago. Cincinnati goes to Houston this weekend. Houston safely into the field. It would have to be absolute disaster for them to fall out, and even the worst-case scenario might still have them as a last four in. That is where you have Cincinnati going into this game. Last four in. Same question I asked about Oklahoma. If they win this game, they go into Houston, they win. Can they feel pretty safe assuming they avoid disaster? I think this would be yeah, this would be enormous for them to, to go win this game, uh, especially their position in the AAC regular season standings. Uh, and I think this would probably get them in. to be their 19th win. They finish up with South Florida and Temple after that. Should win both those games. So you know, you never know. You know, they did lose to UCF at home, so uh, anything's possible. But uh, if they lose the game. Uh, then all of a sudden they're right there teetering again. It's not a bad loss by any stretch, but uh, again, not not a lot uh, left in the regular season to build any kind of case. 
Uh, and it's a team that's got four quad three losses. So you need everything you can uh, on those first two quads to offset that. We've got another similar game this weekend in terms of a road team looking for a huge win, a win that could potentially lock them into the field. That is Providence going to Philadelphia to take on Villanova. Easy question here, Brian. Providence wins. Are they in? Quite possibly. I mean, that would put them 8-8 eight and eight in quad one. I uh, you know, wrote this morning that there's only seven teams in the country right now that have more quad one wins than Providence. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> and they've done it all pretty much uh, in the Big East schedule so you know it's still only be 17 and 12 so there's a possibility they could win this one and you know end up like 17 and 15 or something like that so <laughs> you wouldn't feel that great at that point but uh you know still those two quad four losses it's just uh <laughs> it's hard to believe uh so it's a uh, it's a team that can certainly i think uh stamp itself as a, as a more legitimate contender with this win at villanova but it's a team that I, I don't think can really ever rest easy the rest of the season all right, and finally, got Colorado at Stanford, as we said. Colorado's trip to Northern California started out pretty horribly with the loss uh, to Cal. Now they go to Stanford over the weekend. Uh, a big game for Stanford. Uh, they end the season with a, a trip through the state of Oregon, taking on Oregon State and the Ducks. Obviously, that game against the Ducks to end the regular season would be monumental if they get it. But what would a win over Colorado at home do for the Cardinal? Yeah, it'd be pretty big. You know, the Nets still really like Stanford. Uh, I'm not sure what the Pac-12 has done to, to game the net this year, but uh, I <laughs> think something yeah, some other conferences ought to, ought to pay them for to consult. But, uh, you know, 30th in the net. So, I mean, I have them out, but that's, that's a pretty good net to be left out. Uh, and if they, of course, if they beat Colorado, uh, that would be, you know, one of their best wins of the season, probably right up there uh, with beating Oregon. And, and, you know, they won at UCLA earlier this year and that's going to improve in quality if the Bruins keep playing well. So to add another quality win like that would be huge for them. Might get them into that first four situation. And, and for Colorado, probably, probably a seed line game because, as I said, I had them as a five this week, almost moved them down to a six, kind of had some trouble getting BYU to work on a five line. Um, but uh, they, they may fall uh, another spot if, if they can't uh, salvage something on this California trip. Take all those bubble games, add in Michigan State, Maryland, Seton Hall, Marquette, Auburn, Kentucky, Penn State, Iowa, Duke, Virginia. Another great weekend of college basketball ahead of us. We're going to wrap up this episode of Bracket Madness with our run through the theoretical Final Four. We take Brian's bracket as he has constructed it for this weekend. You can see it on The Athletic, his bracket watch, and we are going to pick our final four based on what he has put together. So uh, instead of you going your four and you me going my four, Brian, this time let's go region by region. We'll start with the East. I'll just read off the top four seeds in every region. Doesn't mean that you need to pick one of those four, but just to give the, the listeners uh, the lay of the land, the one seed in the East is San Diego State, the two is Dayton, the three is Seton Hall, and the four is Michigan State. Who do you have coming out of this region? That's rugged, right? I mean, you might the yeah. three and four might be better than the one and two. Uh, I'm going to go with Dayton. You know, I've been wanting to pick them as a Final Four team. Uh, didn't like it last week when they were in Kansas' bracket. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a rough road if they have to play Seton Hall and then maybe Michigan State or San Diego State. But uh, just love that team. So give me Dayton. Yeah, I like Dayton a lot, too. Uh, I like Seton Hall a lot. I believe I picked them as one of my Final Four teams last week. But I'm going to make a change this week. Michigan State. Michigan oh, State's the call here. You're going to do an all Big Ten Final Four on me? <laughs> hey, 
could, it could happen. That's, that's <laughs> not totally crazy. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that at least here. But yeah, I think Michigan State, I think this would be a draw that would set up nicely for them with the way that they've uh, been able to play recently. You get Cassius Winston going. He could be arguably the best player uh, not named Obi Toppin in this region. So I would, I'm going to go with Michigan State. Let's move on to the Midwest. We've got Kansas is the one, Maryland the two, Louisville the three, Kentucky the four. That would be one hell of a top quarter of a bracket. <laughs> How do you figure this one out? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, right? And if you get Louisville, Kentucky, Kansas, Maryland all, and Indianapolis, good luck getting tickets to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm going to pick Kansas. You know, Again, I picked them to win the national title last week. Uh, I'm not going to go away, away from that just yet. Yeah, we're in agreement here. I'm going to go Kansas, too. I would love to see Kansas and Kentucky be in different regions because uh, I would love to see both those teams, uh, or I would love to have the ability to pick both those teams to make the Final Four, but uh, Kansas is looking like the, the class of the country right now, so I also am not going away from Kansas. I will put them into my Final Four from the Midwest region. You know in- Kansas isn't in the Big Ten, right? I do know that. Okay. that, that sure. You know, when the, when all the expansion <laughs> was happening, that was the team I was – that was the, the – school I really wanted the Big Ten to go after <laughs> to get Kansas and bring them into the Big Ten instead of uh, Nebraska but uh, football hey, rules everything football rules everything indeed how about that South region Baylor the one Florida State two Villanova three and Penn State four who you got here uh, we're in the South uh, I like Florida State I like the way they're playing um, they start off in Tampa um, I think they would match up really well with Villanova if that were the case um, you know, a tough game, obviously, in Elite Eight, who they play, especially Baylor. It's been great all year, but uh, not a ton of size for Baylor. Uh, so so give me the Seminoles. Um, we're in agreement here. Wow. I like the Seminoles, too, coming out of this region. I think Baylor-Florida State would be an excellent Elite Eight game. I think that would be a lot of fun. I actually uh, would like Iowa to make a Sweet 16 run. You've got Iowa, the sixth seed, matched up uh, with Villanova potentially in the second round. I think that's going to be a very dangerous team because of Luka Garza and what they can do offensively. But uh, Florida State, just uh, a team that can really do it all. And I think that they're going to be very dangerous no matter who they're matched up with. A team that you don't want to see in your region if you're a one seed. And hey, maybe they even end up as a one seed as we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, So we've both got Florida State coming out of the south. Let's wrap it up out west. One seed is Gonzaga, Duke at two, Creighton at three, and Oregon the four. Looks like maybe the the easiest uh, bracket, uh, and what a a shocker that Duke's in it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go with Gonzaga out here. You know, it's boring to pick the one seed, uh, but being able to play in Spokane, go to Los Angeles, uh, you know, playing Oregon, a team they've already beaten potentially in in Sweet 16, uh, that's a pretty good matchup, uh, and and I I would like them against Duke. So uh, let's go with the Zags. All right, Gonzaga, for you, we are going to be different here because I can't get away from these Creighton Blue Jays with the way they play offense. I think this region would set up very nicely for them. They would have a a matchup with Ohio State or Utah State in the second round, then likely Duke in the Sweet 16, and then Gonzaga in the uh, uh, Elite Eight. Obviously, nope, we don't expect any Sweet 16 or Elite Eight matchup to be easy, but I think those are two teams that would be vulnerable to to what Creighton, excuse me, does so well. So I'm going to take Creighton here, making my final four. Creighton, Florida State, uh, Kansas, and Michigan State. And yours, Dayton, Kansas, Florida State, and Gonzaga. You know what? I think either of those would be really entertaining final fours. 
Yeah, a lot of ones and twos, which uh, I have a hard time seeing in, in this year, this chaotic <laughs> hey, mine year. Mine four different seeds. I've got a one, a two, a three, and a four. Oh, well, there you go. You're you're better shaped than I am. I, I went too safe, but it's uh, you know, it, it's hard to hard to do in this theoretical exercise of picking uh, big time bombers. Yeah. I would. All so I would say, I would. I would. If BYU were in a different region than Kansas, I might think about it. Oh man, they're going to be. I mean, what what they've done with Yoli Childs. If you just look at the Yoli Childs BYU Cougars this year. They're going to be very – I almost want them to stay beneath the radar a little bit. You know, I was like – the piece of me was kind of sad they beat Gonzaga last <laughs> week because I want them to stay just a little bit quiet because I agree with you. I think they're going to be a very dangerous team, one of those teams that could really bust a lot of brackets depending on where they end up seated. For sure. A great shooting team, and that's always a good thing to have in March. Great thing to have in March. That's why I love Creighton. That's why I love Creighton. It's going to be a whole lot of offense, I think, uh, coming out of my uh, picks, whatever it ends up being for real. But this theoretical exercise always fun, and we hope you always have fun when you listen to Bracket Madness. Again, you can get Brian on Twitter at GBrianBennett. You can get me at M. Beller. You can get a subscription for 40% off at The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash Bracket Madness. That's going to wrap things up for us here Thank you again for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. For Brian, I am Michael. Now we are really to get ready for some madness.